Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. We're currently living through crazy times and I know that wherever you are in the world, you will have already been affected in some way by the unfolding situation. Before we start this episode, I just wanted to share a couple of sentences that really resonated with me from an email I received from Libsyn, the company who provide hosting for the podcast. It's from their president, Laurie Ann Sims. Podcasts deliver the comfort of a friendly and familiar voice at a time of uncertainty. And when personal contact and connections with communities may not be a possibility or an option for some. Your voice may become more important than ever in helping people feel connected. Whether providing a sense of community, informative content or entertainment, each of you can be a lifeline for those affected in all parts of the world. Listener numbers to the Recruiting Future podcast have increased by a third in the last seven days. And I'm taking my role of providing continuity and a calm voice to our talent acquisition community very seriously during this difficult time. I'm going to continue to publish at least two shows a week, and I'll add to that if the demand's there. I record several weeks in advance, so some of the content I publish may not entirely reflect the current situation. However, it's vital to carry on talking about the key topics that this podcast covers, as employers will still need to focus on long-term strategy. I also want to keep sharing practitioner stories so people can upskill themselves by learning from the experience of others. As the new normal we're going to emerge into takes shape, then I'll obviously be bringing you voices to talk about that. But at the current time, speculation, guesswork and random predictions are not really going to be very helpful. The purpose of this podcast is to be inclusive and help move talent acquisition forward. So please let me know your thoughts and feedback. Stay safe and listen to the proper scientists. Now on with the show. Support for this podcast is provided by SHL. From talent acquisition to talent management, SHL has the people insight to help you build a talent strategy that achieves outcomes like increased productivity, internal mobility, engagement and leadership diversity. SHL brings transparent AI technology, decades of trustworthy data science and objectivity to help companies attract, develop and grow the workforce you need to succeed in the digital era. Visit shl.com to learn how you can unlock the full potential of your greatest asset, your people. There's been more of scientific discovery more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 249 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Candidate experience seems to be an evergreen topic and certainly one that will be with us and continue to evolve for some time to come. We often talk about the challenges of delivering a quality candidate experience at scale, but for companies who are scaling quickly, very often it's about delivering a custom candidate experience at speed. My guest this week is Anna Chalon, Director of Recruiting and DNI at Frame.io. Whatever your candidate experience challenges are, I guarantee you'll get some valuable takeaways from this interview. 
Hi, Anna, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Anna Chalon. I'm originally from Paris, France. I studied uh, private law in Paris, actually, before moving to London and then to New York about eight years ago to pursue a music career. Um, and after many immigration headaches, I was able to finally get a green card and land my first job in tech. Um, and over the last two years or so, I've been leading recruiting and uh, DNI at Framio, which is a video collaboration software headquartered in New York. Fantastic stuff. So tell us a little bit more about Frame.io. How many how many people do you have and, and what sort of recruiting challenges do you have? Sure. Uh, so at Frame.io, we have about 130 people. When I started, uh, we were 50. So we've had a lot of growth, which has been really exciting to be a part of. And this year, we're actually planning to double the size of the company. And we just opened up a second office in L.A., so some of the challenges that I don't think are uh, necessarily specific to, to Frame.io, but just to uh, tech in general, and especially in the New York market, is that it's a candidate-led market. So it's highly competitive, and therefore we have to be very creative with the way we approach recruiting uh, so that we can stay competitive, move quickly, and provide a best-in-class candidate experience so that we can have a chance to attract uh, top talent. I think the other challenge when being a smaller company is that realistically, we cannot compete against big companies like Google and Facebook when it comes to compensation. So it's also really important to stay transparent around what we can offer and what we can't offer so that uh, candidates can make the the best decision and see the pros and cons of joining those smaller, uh, fast growth type of environments. Fantastic stuff. You, you mentioned being creative in terms of how you recruit there. Um, tell, us a, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I think uh, we have to think about what it's like to be a candidate on the other side in a in a candidate-led market. So when they're getting hundreds of LinkedIn recruiter emails per day and they're in processes with many companies getting a lot of offers, so it changes the balance quite a bit. So we just have to think um, in an empathetic way, if we were on the other side, what could make a difference? So that's what we try to do here and try and be a little bit more thoughtful uh, from a lot of the things I, I have seen. It can feel a little bit more um, robotic or like being caught in a machine. And I, I don't want that, especially because we're dealing with with humans. So I, I try and think of ways that we can create a bit more of a, a customized candidate experience. I'm also aware that we can afford to do that because we're much smaller than uh, really big companies that might not be able to do that. But I think that's where we can play that to our advantage, the fact that we're smaller and can have a little bit more of a high touch approach to the candidate experience. Tell us a bit more about some of the things you do in your candidate experience to make it to make it kind of really stand out. Sure. Um, so we care a lot about candidate experience, and I think it translates directly to offer acceptance. So for the Candidate experience, uh, we have a maintain a Glassdoor rating above 90% in the last two years, and our offer acceptance rate have stayed above 85% in the last two years as well, including tech roles. And I think the way we were able to do that uh, is by having those 
high touch approach to the candidate experience. So I think of it as three pillars. Um, the first one is speed. I think it, it's really important to move quickly uh, because again, candidates are actively interviewing. So we try to get back to candidates within 24 to 48 hours max, if not sometimes same day from their previous round. So that's, that's a big rule of ours. And then we really try and keep the whole interview process from first screen to offer to two weeks. Uh, sometimes we can even do it faster. So that's to me the first pillar is speed, which takes a lot of um, strong project management skills on the recruiting team side and a good uh, tracking system. The second is transparency. I think it's important to be upfront as to what we're, we can offer and what we cannot offer. Um, so we cover compensation on the first screen always, and then at least two more times during the interview process. So there's no surprises there. And we also are transparent about what type of environment it is, how much work there is to do. And we try and do a lot of that again very early on in the process so that we don't end up moving really far uh, and then the candidate realizes it's not a good fit for them because it should be really a two, two-way street. Uh, they also need to make sure they get all of the information. And then the third pillar to me is the thoughtfulness, is like extra touches. So... What we do um, is for every candidate who comes on site, we actually give them a little gift bag with branded M&Ms and a handwritten note. Um, again, I know we can afford to do that because we're small enough and it must be really hard if there's a hundred candidates coming on site every day, which we don't have. But I think that really makes a difference. And the number of times I hear them being so surprised and uh, delighted, I think that makes um, a big difference. And we also get everyone who interviewed them to send them a, a thoughtful note if we extend an offer. Um, so those are the, the three things that we, we do. So speed, uh, transparency, and uh, thoughtful touches. Fantastic stuff. That makes a lot of sense. And I can see how that would contribute to the success that you have. How about recruiting technology? Are there any sort of technology tools or platforms that you use to kind of help you with this? Yeah. So for our applicant tracking system, we use Greenhouse and I think it really is helpful so that we can keep track of all the, the candidates that are in process. Uh, there's a good reminder tool in there that I love to use uh, so that again, anyone who came on site that day or who had even a phone screen, we can set up a reminder for the next day. So there's no way they can fall through the cracks. We can also send reminders for um, interviewers to submit their scorecards. So I really like that, that tool. We also have our own spreadsheet to keep track of any active candidates. So that way we can double check uh, ourselves between Greenhouse and the spreadsheet. So that's uh, the tools that we have to keep track of candidates. And then we also use other tools for more of a sourcing purpose, like uh, LinkedIn Recruiter. Uh, we use Hired, uh, which helps with uh, more uh, tech talent um, and a few other tools, but Greenhouse is our main tool. You're also doing some interesting work around helping people to avoid unconscious bias. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So um, everyone has unconscious biases. Uh, I think it's a very, very interesting topic. And I definitely recommend to take some online tests to, to see because it's pretty eye-opening. And um, I think sometimes we can be in denial, especially when we consider ourselves open-minded people. Um, it can be hard to recognize that we still have biases. Uh, but it, 
I think we need to remove the shame factor and just recognize that we live in a world that is um, full of biases. And so our upbringing shapes us in a way that will trick our brain to make uh, to make quick conclusions that are flawed oftentimes. So I think um, recognizing this to me is the first step. So we do an unconscious bias training for every new hire within their first three months. And we try and have a lot of little um, sort of game in there that that just can get people to use their brain in a way that will create unconscious bias, uh, just so that they can recognize how how it happens. Um, so one of the the thing actually, one of the quick quick exercise that we do is ask everyone um, if we have a, a bat and a ball that equals a dollar and ten cents. Knowing that the ball costs a dollar more than the bat, how much does the bat cost? And most people will come up really quickly to the conclusion that it's 10 cents, right? It's like a dollar, you're thinking a dollar more, 10 cents. Um, and it's actually five. And you can look it up. It's pretty, it's actually pretty easy. But um, just being able to do a quick exercise like this and realize how quickly your brain screams the wrong answer um, is, is really interesting. So I think that's a good, good exercise to do for, for everyone. And then we do a lot of other things um, in terms of sourcing strategy, um, reshaping our interview panels so that it's uh, never an all-male panel at the minimum, hopefully a little bit more diverse than this. But to me, that's sort of the, the baseline. And, um, and making sure that we're just talking about this constantly. So it's okay to have little little uh, slip of the tongue and, and say the wrong pronoun for someone or to say... Um, maybe talk about a future candidate we haven't hired yet and say, assume that it will be a he. Um, so all these things happen. I think it's just about making sure we're calling them out, not in a confrontational way, but just as a little reminder um, so that we can be aware of our biases. That's really interesting stuff. And I, I've got that bat and ball question consistently wrong for years <laughs> before before I finally, uh, um, I, my brain finally realized what was going on there. Do you sort of measure success in this area? Um, have you got any metrics? What what kind of results have you been um, have you been seeing? Yes, um, so we've started reporting now on a quarterly basis on our progress. Uh, we've mainly been able to track gender for now because of the size of the company and legality of tracking other other groups. But uh, starting next quarter, we will actually be able to start reporting on other categories. So um, on a gender st standpoint, when I started, we were at 23% uh, women. And uh, two years later, we're not 36% overall, in the company uh, overall. And then in management function specifically, uh, in the last 12 months, we went from 19% to 40% women. So that's really, really exciting to see. And there's still a lot more work to be done, especially in the higher level position with the uh, director and above and the executive team. So that's something that we're constantly talking about. Uh, but it's definitely encouraging to see that it is possible when you're putting the right right things in place and then hiring the right people who will keep supporting these initiatives. Um, doesn't have to be all women or, or people of color, but uh, making sure that we're also recruiting allies and people who will help push these initiatives forward, I think uh, make a huge impact. So 
a lot of more, lot more work to be done, but uh, it's still encouraging to see the progress that we've made. We've talked about a lot about the the interview process and and how you're you know how you're managing people's expectations and doing whatever you can to be as unbiased as as possible. You, you mentioned right at the start that you 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 obviously have a lot of competition in the talent markets and geographical markets the, the market that you work in what do you do to to, to source or, or attract people to the business in the in, in the in the first place how, how do you cut through all that noise and really get your message out there Yes, I mean, that that's really tricky for sure, especially when you're a smaller company, because it takes a lot of resources and, and budget to be able to put our name out there. So what we try to do is obviously do some employer branding. So we've just started some new partnerships, uh, and especially when it comes to diversity, partnering with um with organizations that help promote uh, different groups within the tech industry, I think is really, really helpful. Um We've also looked at our job description, so making sure in order to attract uh, diverse talents that we have inclusive language. So just looking at the job description, making sure it's inclusive, um, writing the job description uh, by saying you is actually more impactful than at the third person where a lot of women actually will not identify as well. So that's a quick trick that we can do. And then removing uh gendered connotated word like a uh, rock star or ninja that sometimes I see in job descriptions that can also make a big, big impact. Um, and then just sharing the culture. So we try and host events on a regular basis. We actually had one, um, last night for a woman in sales panel. And so making sure that we share on social media, the kind of event that we do and the kind of work environment that we we have so that uh, candidates who identify to that type of environment can feel can feel um, related to it and and comfortable applying. And then we do a lot of sourcing. A third of the people that we hired come from completely cold outreaches. Again, because we are still um, building our brand and our name recognition so we still need to do a lot of of blind outreaches final question what's your view on the future of talent acquisition what what do you think things are going to be looking like over the next sort of 18 months two years yes so i think uh as we move towards uh more of a remote culture i think it will be really interesting as i think we'll probably move toward more and more video types of interviews maybe even hiring people we've never met in person uh so I think that will be interesting to see how that changes things uh, and also that will broaden the pool of candidates because when you start being able to source across the world and not just in a city, it opens up the pool of candidates uh, tremendously. So that will be, I don't know exactly what will be the consequences of that, but I think that will be really interesting. And then the other thing that I'm hopeful for is that we'll keep moving in a direction where the population of the tech companies are more representative of the world that we live in and that we can get to a place where we have 50% women in all position, including leadership, where 50% of the CEOs are women and uh, where in terms of um, race and ethnicity or sexual orientation, gender identity, that, that everything is properly represented. That's that's my hope. And I think we're moving in the right direction. So um I hope to see this come true. Anna, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you so much for having me. My thanks to Anna. 
You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find it by searching for Recruiting Future. If you're a Spotify or Pandora user, you can also find the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Thank you.